Welcome to Inside Maine, where every month or so we talk about Maine issues, national issues, and uh, usually we're talking about what goes on on the ground, but today we're going to be talking about space. And we're going to start with my old friend Bill Nelson, who's the administrator of NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, about what they're doing and also about what's going on with space and the space enterprise here in Maine. And there's a lot going on. I think you're going to find it very interesting. So, Bill Nelson, welcome. Thank you for joining me. And I guess I want to start. How did you get your start in your interest in space? Well. Angus, it actually goes back to when I was a kid. I grew up in the shadow of Cape Canaveral, and it was a time that I was in grade school that uh, we were trying to catch up with the Soviet Union. And uh, then on into high school, as the Soviets really surprised us with the first satellite, Sputnik, and we couldn't even get a little satellite into orbit. And then lo and behold, once we got Explorer up, then they came along in 1961 and suddenly surprised us by putting the first man in orbit, Yuri Gargarin. And uh, we only had the capability of getting into suborbit. That is just going up, not going into orbit around the Earth. But we corrected that eight months later when uh, John Glenn took a chance on the Atlas rocket. It had a 20% chance of failure. And uh, of course, that was quite history making for the US of A uh, when John Glenn did his three orbits. And then the rest is history. We were off to the races in a space race with the Soviet Union which, of course, culminated in us going around the moon in December, uh, Christmas time, 1968, and then landing on the moon in 1969 in July. And that, that landing on the moon really was the culmination of President Kennedy's commitment to put a man on the moon within the decade. And uh, I've always said it's a good thing he said within the decade because having that deadline uh, really made a difference. It did. And when we lost the three astronauts in the Apollo fire on the pad, it was just a, a routine simulation, but they were all suited up, strapped in, and uh, doing like a countdown before a launch on the launch pad, and lo and behold, what nobody had paid attention to was that the atmosphere of the cabin was too oxygen rich. And as a result, when one of them hit a wire and the wire caused a spark, that had uh, them burned up inside the capsule. And mm -hmm. that really set us back. The question was, were we going to be able to make it by the end of the decade? But uh, that daring do, that can-do spirit of America, as evidenced in NASA, uh, we were able to do it. Well, now, flash forward to your being in Congress, and you ended up being one of the few members ever of, of Congress to, to take a trip into space. Tell, tell me about how that happened. 
So long after the Apollo program to the moon, that was the space shuttle program. And this was initially going to be like a space truck that would take everything up. Uh, I was in the early part of that program. And the reason that uh, I ended up having the opportunity to participate, NASA had decided that other than the full-time professional astronauts, they were going to start flying others. So they started flying uh, university uh, researchers first. And then they decided that they thought that the chairman of the relevant committee in the Senate and the House ought to fly. I was the chairman in the House of Representatives and uh, flew on the 24th flight of the space shuttle only uh, to return to Earth in uh, January of 1986. And 10 days later, the Challenger space shuttle launched. 10 days after we had landed on Earth, and uh, it blew up nine miles high in the Florida sky. Uh, And then, of course, we were down for quite a bit uh, after that. On your flight, you had almost 100 uh, 100 revolutions around the world, right? Uh, 98 revolutions over six days, 12 medical experiments that I performed, and, uh, of course, when you look out the window of a spacecraft back at home, Angus, it's it's just incredible because you see this beautiful, colorful creation suspended in the middle of nothing. And space is nothing. And you realize that you're looking back at your home and the home is the planet. And there are no borders that show up, right? Uh, you know, as a politician, I was really <laughs> struck because as I orbited the Earth every 90 minutes uh, and would look at the daylight side of the Earth, I didn't see racial borders. I didn't see uh, religious divisions. I didn't see political divisions. All I saw was the planet of which was home to all of us. And it also, I'm sure, gives you an awareness of how small that planet is in, in the enormity of space when you're, when you're up there. Oh, goodness. Think about it. Going around the planet every 90 minutes at 17,500 miles an hour. That's Mach 25. That's 25 times the speed of sound. Now, when we go to the moon, we've got to accelerate beyond that what's called translunar injection, and that's about 25,000 miles per hour, which is also about Mach 32, 32 times the speed of sound to escape the gravity of Earth. Well, now let's let's flash forward to today. You're you're in charge of NASA, and uh, NASA is still alive and well and has important missions Um, We're talking about going back to the moon in the reasonably near future, right? You already selected astronauts. We have, as a matter of fact, next year, we're going back to the moon. This one is going to circle around the moon, test out the spacecraft that we have already done the test flight without humans. This will have a crew of four, which includes uh, a commander that is an F-18 pilot, a pilot, African-American F-18 pilot, an engineer, 
who is Christina Cook, who uh, she has had more uh, spacewalk time than any other woman. And then it includes the first international astronaut, a Canadian F-18 pilot uh, from the Canadian Space Agency who has been training for quite a number of years. And that's the crew that will go and circle the moon. And that's in preparation then for about a year and a half later for us to go into lunar orbit with the Orion spacecraft and transfer into a SpaceX lander. And when the crew of two of our crew of four on Orion go down to the surface, that will be the first woman and the next man to walk on the surface of the moon after a half century. That's amazing. Now, I suspect some people are listening or saying, well, why are we talking about this on a program that's focused on Maine? But as you know, from having visited with us a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Maine's got an active space community. Talk to me about how important the space enterprise is on the ground in places like Maine and, and other states around the country. It's not just Florida and Texas, but there's a lot of space activity going on throughout the country. Well, when you and I were there at the main space complex, the future home of it, that we also uh, visited Brunswick Landing. And I think it's noteworthy that five companies in Maine contribute to this NASA Artemis program, which is the program going back to the moon. And currently, uh, Jackson Laboratory in Bar Harbor is providing supplies for the ground systems that are supporting this lunar mission. I noted while we were there, and by the way, what a turnout you had. It was standing room only. You're, you're a big draw, man. That's all. That's what it well, is. Well, no, I think the subject matter is the draw uh, because uh, just last year, NASA invested almost $7 million in Maine and uh, for every million dollars worth of economic output uh, generated by these NASA jobs, an additional 35 million worth of output is sustained through the state economy. And five wow. main suppliers contributed to this uh, program to go back to the moon. So Maine is very, very much invested. Uh, in addition, you've got companies there. We went out to the end of that uh, runway at the former Navy base there, and uh, there was a company out there that was working on a rocket to uh, go explore themselves. So more power to you. And by the way, I got to point out one other thing. One of our main astronauts, active duty astronaut, is Jessica Meir, and she is from Caribou, Maine. That's she right. went to Caribou High School, and uh, she is uh, a very experienced space flyer. Yeah, that's and by the way, that's Susan Collins' hometown, which uh, she always reminds me of when, uh, when we're talking about Jessica. And uh, when and I saw Susan on that same trip to see you, Susan... Uh, quickly reminded me that that was the case. I'm surprised. And we had an all-female spacewalk, and they go outside the space station to repair it and to add new things to it. 
and we had two women. And Jessica was one of those for an all-female spacewalk. Now, talk to me about the economic impact. You mentioned the the thirty to one ratio of investment, but you're investing in in research and and in companies that are doing uh, products for the for the moon program, but also uh, a lot of money into our uh, colleges, universities, and schools, uh, even K through twelve. I think. Uh, because that, there's so much opportunity here. Uh, indeed. What we do is we have, first of all, we love students and we have interns. And we'll bring them in and usually in their last uh, two years of college and do an internship with us. And it's amazing what some of these students do. They're writing software, you know, that is a directly uh, a part of our space program. As a result of them having such a positive experience, we end up hiring 30% of our interns. In the universities, we send out grants, grants to the University of Maine that mm -hmm. I know of, and uh, that is used for various research, whatever the grant program is that they apply for. And, and that's over and above the, the commercial activity, the businesses. You and I were at that session at Brunswick Landing, and, and there were, I don't know, seven or eight, nine, ten companies there that from all over the state uh, that are involved in these kinds of businesses. So this is this is this is uh, this is a good business. I, I saw an estimate uh, recently that if we uh, if we develop this space program fully in in Maine, uh, the University of Southern Maine said this could be a, a billion dollar business within twenty years and five thousand jobs. So that gets anybody's attention. Indeed, it should. And you know, in that uh, program that you uh, uh, chaired, uh, there standing room only. We had those 10 or so companies all introduce themselves and indicate what was their particular project that they were doing for NASA. It was just amazing. You would never believe that there was that much economic activity in our direct space program. Well, the, the, the other piece is, uh, are you, is there a plan for Mars uh, looking out into the future or is that just talk? 2040, that's, you think about it, that's only about 17 years away. We're going to Mars with humans. And that's the whole reason of going back to the moon. Uh, we're, we were at the moon uh, uh, half century ago. This time we're going back with commercial partners. We're going back with international partners. And we're going for the specific purpose of learning to live in that hostile environment and to invent and create in order so that we can send humans all the way to Mars. I, I recall back, uh, Angus, uh, in September 1962, when after Kennedy had already announced uh, the year before to the Congress that we were going to the moon within the decade, and then he gave a speech in Rice University Stadium, and he said, we go to the moon not because it's easy, but because it's hard. This time, 
60 plus years later, we're going back to the moon in order to go to Mars. And it's not easy and it's gonna be hard. The moon's three or four days away. Mars is months and months away. Well, it's an amazing challenge. And, and just to bring it back, because in a few minutes, I'm going to be talking to people from Blue Shift, which is the rocket company that you mentioned, uh, that's actually using organic material for fuel. It's, it's a whole different way to approach it. And Maine's in a pretty good place to launch uh, polar satellites uh, because of our proximity to the North Pole. So uh, I see some future there. And, and the idea that we have a company in Maine actually building rockets and building the components of rockets, uh, I think is pretty exciting. Uh, that's exactly right. Your coastline, uh, which actually runs uh, northeast and southwest, puts you in a position that somewhere on that coast, you can actually launch from north to south and go into polar orbit and not go over any populated area while you're launching. So that puts you in an ideal position to have a launch site in the state of Maine. Well, I think that's coming. That Blue Shift has had some some test flights that have been successful. And of course, part of the part of what we're talking about here is is learning. And uh, you, you learn plenty whether it works or not. And I think they're they're very ambitious uh, w what they're doing. Well, Bill, uh, you're, I, I, I detect in your voice you haven't lost any enthusiasm for this uh, enterprise. Are you enjoying uh, being, being at the top of NASA? Well, one of my great enjoyments was being the colleague of uh, Senator Angus King in the United States Senate. <laughs> but other than that, uh, I'd say this is kind of like Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Shangri-La when you can be uh, trying to offer some leadership to a group of wizards that are pulling off the impossible almost every day. So needless to say, I'm having a ball. Well, I just heard that there was a thing on the news just, just recently about the Webb telescope that's performing beyond expectations. And we're learning more every day just from, from that former mission. Uh, the James Webb Space Telescope has not only brought us captured light that has been traveling at the speed of light for 13 and a half billion years to reach us, wow. but more recently captured uh, a new uh, stellar nursery where stars are born that's in our own galaxy, uh, 390 uh, light years away, relatively close. A light year is still a long way if light travels at 186,000 miles a second. But it, it is, uh, it's amazing. And, and the concept of when you're looking at these stars that are so far away, you're literally looking back into the past because that light that you see left those stars hundreds, thousands, millions, and you say even billions of years ago. That's correct. Uh, we have captured the light from the formation of the first galaxies after the very beginning. And the very beginning uh, pegged on a uh, Nobel Prize winning NASA scientist is 13.8 billion years ago. Wow. Well, Bill, 
great opportunity, and I'm so glad that you're seizing it with such such enthusiasm. You're welcome back in Maine anytime. Maybe we can get you up for a launch of one of those blue shift rockets when we get to the place of of going into polar orbit off the coast of Maine. So uh, great to have you, and and so glad that you're uh, you're still uh, working at this uh, passion that you've you've had, as you say, some little boy growing up in the shadow of Cape Canaveral. What a what a journey! And uh, thank you for all you're doing for NASA and and for the country, and of course for the the state of Maine, the interest that you've taken is uh, is very important to us. So, Bill, thanks a lot. We'll be back in touch and uh, look forward to order to. Uh, I'm looking forward to Artemis. Okay, and Angus, thank you for your continued public service. You're one of the greats, and <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you. We'll talk later. Bye bye. Bye bye. I want to thank NASA Administrator Bill Nelson for joining us to have that conversation, and also really great to have him visit with us in Maine and talk about the space enterprise in Maine, which is growing and developing before our very eyes. Stay with us on Inside Maine. We're going to talk about a real live rocket man in the state of Maine. Welcome back to Inside Maine. We're talking space today and the engagement of the state of Maine in space. We just talked to Bill Nelson, administrator of NASA, who was in Maine recently at Brunswick Landing. And now we're going to talk to Sasha Derry, who is the uh, CEO of Blue Shift Aerospace, which is doing amazing work developing uh, its own rockets, uh, building them right there in Brunswick at Brunswick Landing using organic fuel, not fossil fuel. And uh, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Sasha, welcome to Inside Maine. Tell me about Blue Shift and what, what you guys are up to. First of all, thank you. Thank you, Senator King, very much for, for having me on today. And uh, it's really a, a, really an honor to be able to speak to you and share with, with the world what we're working on. So Blue Shift is uh, really a service provider, a launch service provider taking instead of, um, you know, instead of uh, a FedEx sending packages where we're terrestrially, we are sending packages, in this case, experiments and satellites ultimately to uh, low Earth orbit around around our planet. And we're doing it from uh, early days. We'll be doing it from Maine predominantly. And we're looking forward to the years to come where we hope to be launching from other locations um, across our country. And we're doing it all. We're using a carbon neutral bio-derived fuel. And a lot of our talent is uh, raised, grown, and educated here in our, our fine, great state of Maine. So you're actually building rockets uh, there at Brunswick Landing. And, and I've seen the work that you're doing. Tell me uh, first about the the goal, you, t- you said low Earth orbit, and one of the advantages that Maine has from as a launch pad is putting satellites in polar orbit. So talk to me about, about the goal here. We're looking forward to, uh, you know, three to four years from now, uh, having our very first launch to put uh, the satellites into polar orbit. And that's an orbit where which we can uniquely access here in Maine, and you really can't do anywhere else in the eastern seaboard. And it turns out um, there's this giant market for sending small satellites up into space. And these are satellites, as you know, providing everything from Earth imaging services, watching uh, climate change, seeing what's happening in Ukraine, to providing communication services. And it turns out half of the market for these small satellites is to be put into this orbit, which is going from north to south pole, north to south pole over and over again. 
And because our our coastline is facing over the Atlantic Ocean, we have a, a clear uh, pathway to launch uh, right over the ocean, due south, and without going over people and property that you really can't get anywhere else, not in Cape Canaveral, uh, not in Wallops, Virginia. If you launch north from Cape Canaveral, you would hit Atlanta or, or Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, or, you know, if we were launched south, uh, heading towards the South Pole, you'd, you'd really tick off the folks in Miami and probably um, as well as Cuba. So we can't afford to do that either. And so there's really no other place that's doing this. There's no other private launch site that's capable of accessing that polar orbit. Uh, and ours will be the, really the first one that I'm aware of in the United States and the only one on the eastern seaboard capable of accessing that particular orbit. We're actually building the rockets and doing the engineering uh, right right here in, in Maine, principally at Brun- Brunswick Landing. Is that is that the case? Yeah, exactly. We're uh, we're very excited because uh, in about two months, end of September, if, if everything goes well, uh, we'll be doing a full engine test, about a 60-second burn. And uh, if that test goes well, uh, we'll be moving. The next step is to build the launch vehicle. And this our very first launches uh, will be uh, with a, a smaller rocket uh, that's what we refer to as a suborbital rocket. And this is primarily to send research up into space, bring it back down, parachutes back into the ocean, and we'll literally rinse and repeat as many times as we possibly can. Will you be able to recover the rocket itself or just the payload? Uh, both. Our intention is to, you know, part of our, our financial and engineering plans are to make them reusable. And even our orbital vehicle, um, the first stage will be reusable. So our plans are to recover it off the, off the Atlantic Ocean, uh, bring it back on shore and to our manufacturing facilities, which we're looking to ultimately locate in Washington County. Well, now, one of the special things about what you're doing, and you touched on it, is the fuel itself, rather than a conventional fossil fuel-based, uh, oil gas-based. You're talking about an organic-based fuel. Tell me about what, what the fuel, where it comes from and, and why it's different. Yeah, so we we use, first of all, we use a propulsion system called a hybrid rocket engine, and it's where the fuel is a solid. It's actually encased inside the combustion chamber of the rocket engine, and the oxidizer is a liquid. And um, early days uh, before the company was officially formed, uh, I was doing some engine tests at my brother's farm here in Maine, in North Yarmouth, and um, I serendipitously encountered a substance on his windowsill he just pulled off the farm. Uh, and I, I couldn't help thinking that maybe this would serve as an as a alternative to the petroleum fuel that we were using, a uh, solid petroleum fuel. And it was like two weeks later, tested the, the substance out, and it worked. It, it was immediately notable that it, was, it worked better than the petroleum fuel. It also costs less, and importantly, it, it can be produced in a carbon-neutral way as well. It's so, also non-toxic, as you probably know. Yeah. Yes, well, the famous incident of you taking a bite of the fuel is... <laughs> yeah. uh, you become an instant uh, influencer on that. Uh, on that. <laughs> right. Talk to me about the, the space enterprise in Maine more generally. Bill Nelson was up here from NASA, uh, was very excited about what he saw. The number of companies, I think a lot of people in Maine don't realize that we have some companies that are very seriously involved in space and, and space research and also actually building and making the products that go into rockets. Yeah, I think I think Maine is pretty, you know, I think Mainers in general are pretty understated and, and modest about what we're doing in general. But uh, we have something like 80 different companies in our state involved in the aerospace industry. And Bill Nelson uh, had said something along the lines that Maine has a brilliant 
a brilliant future in, in space and there's a lot of entrepreneurs here which i like to include ourselves in that are ready to go and and um with our new ideas so I think there's something also to be said about the way we tackle uh, tech in Maine, too. There's sort of a, a Yankee ingenuity, I think, that's inherent to Mainers doing things that might not be in a flashy way, but gets things done. And, um, you know, I think this is good and bad. Uh, it's good from the standpoint of uh, we know how to get things done economically and quickly. And but we're also not really known as a space uh, industry leader in the state. But I think I think we're changing that. And it was really nice to have Bill Nelson sort of take note of that. Well, I know that I know about that. There's it's sort of a native engineering skill. When I lived up in Somerset County, the highest compliment was he's the kind of guy you call when the horse falls down the well. <laughs> that's, that's an engineering challenge. And uh, there are a lot of uh, self-educated people that just know how to make things work. But then uh, we're talking some really high tech. For example, down in Biddeford, there's a company called Fiber Materials that makes uh, a material that's heat resistant that's used on practically all of our uh, rockets uh, and and hypersonic missiles, those kinds of things. So that's, that's as, as about as high tech as you get. And also, as you know, as you mentioned, there are some 80 companies that do everything from making very specialized little metal products and nose cones and and those kinds of things. This this could turn out to be a significant part of the main economy. Yeah, we're already using a number of suppliers in the state, ones that are helping us with our specialized tank manufacturing for our oxidizer tank here in the state. Um, and in fact, we're using yet another company uh, located mid-state to help us with uh, the development and manufacturing of our of our, our composite rocket nozzle. So uh, yeah, I think, again, it's sort of, uh, you know, Maine is really well known for our lobsters and blueberries and perhaps nowadays even our beer. A uh, little less known for our space industry, but that is definitely going to change. Well, you mentioned something that made my ears uh, prick up, and that is Washington County. You're, you're talking about that being a, a kind of center of your operations. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so Washington County, which, uh, you know, I think for folks outside of the state is is our sort of easternmost county up the coastline uh, touching Canada, Nova Scotia. And um, it, that really, it, that county is the county that provides us access to polar orbit. It's really not the whole coast of Maine that provides us access to that orbit. You know, we spent a, a lot of time with folks uh, on the coast there looking for a, a launch site or a, co a portion of the either on land or off just off the shores where we can launch from. And I have to say that one of the one of the more delightful experiences in sort of um, educational experience I had was sitting down at a local convenience store and speaking to folks and kind of answering their concerns about what we're doing, what we're really up to and learning that <clears throat> there is an incredible amount of like native talent in exactly the skills that we need to manufacture our rockets. These are folks who are working with composites, welding and metal, you know, probably every week, one shape or form or another. And then we also learned a lot of the folks, a lot of the fishermen are, are off, off the waters, basically October through March. And so we saw this is a great workforce opportunity for folks that are not working the waters during their off season. These are talented individuals that could be helping us doing the manufacturing and remanufacturing of our rockets. So we're, we're really looking forward to the, the moment which we get to our, our round of funding where we can build out the manufacturing facility, which we're attentively looking at uh, some real estate in the town of Stuben for. Well, I've, I have visited rocket construction places in, in other parts of the country and the world. And 
what I've seen is uh, rockets made from carbon fiber rather than steel. Is that something that you're looking at? Yeah, composites is certainly a, an important part of our future, and it will be an important part of our orbital vehicle. Uh, for our suborbital vehicle, quite a bit of it will be made from uh, from metals. Uh, what we found is that uh, the performance of our engine allowed for us to uh, get to the the altitudes we need to get to with a, a much more ruggedized version of our, our rocket. But um, you know, Maine is leaning. It's we've got a strong heritage in working with composites in the the boat building industry. Uh, a lot of the folks have worked in with various boat builders, uh, and we think there's there's a a minor amount of retraining that needs to be had, and I know there's some efforts afoot here in the state to to provide that training in the next year or two. In fact, some of our team members are going to one of the first trainings um, for uh, for composites uh, being provided by a, a nonprofit organization here in the state of Maine. So we have the native talents. They just we just there's a little bit of retooling that needs to happen to make the make it applicable to the aerospace industry. Well, Maine is a is a, a sort of secret cluster of composite expertise. Uh, going back for some years, I mean, you know, boat building uh is is a is a very important business in, in Maine and when you get below the level of destroyers, you're often talking about composites and I think a lot of people don't realize that this is a really uh important area of expertise and Ironically, we're now going from making boats and ships to making rockets, but the the skill sets are are very similar. Now, you're uh, we also need to talk about science and research. I mean, one of the things uh, that Bill Nelson brings is is the NASA funding. A lot of the research that goes on in in Maine at the university and at other sites is funded through uh, through federal grants from principally from NASA. Talk to me about how important the research is. Yeah, first of all, I would say that, you know, NASA was was sort of instrumental into uh, where we are today. They, it was a grant from NASA and assistance um, from folks down at the Marshall Space Flight Center that was really pivotal to us in enabling us to develop our engine tech. Uh, one thing was figuring out the fuel. Another thing was making an engine that would combust that fuel um, stably and at a high performance level. So if it wasn't for that NASA SBIR grant, I don't think we'd, we'd, we'd be where we are today to kick things off. But they've, through the EPSCOR program uh, and other grants, um, they've been encouraging uh, uh, researchers and, and both at a high school and, and college level to lean into this, into this well, what, I, what I like to call the space sciences. And in fact, an imp- very important part of our business is to launch educational uh, science experiments. And so we're looking forward to, we're already working with a company called Max IQ, uh, which is building these really neat electronic modules that enable students in the state of Maine to design, assemble their own, and then program their own experiments that will be ultimately launched in our suborbital rocket, Starless Rogue. I know that they're seeking out some funding from NASA, but also at a federal level uh, to support this educational program. And and I think our our sort of dream in the state of Maine is to see, actually, this kind of gets to something that you were involved in many years ago with getting every every child a a laptop uh, early days as our our governor. It would be, I think it it would be really um, phenomenal for our students to get uh, to spark their interest in science and engineering, to get them a, a science experiment um, that they can build, design, and launch to space 
uh, once a year. Uh, I think it would be a phenomenal um, experience. And I can't think of anything that would be more exciting than knowing that you as a kid send something to space. That that would be. Uh, you'd have a lot of eye, eyeballs on the launch, that's for sure. <laughs> May now, go well. He says that the state has moved pretty aggressively and last year passed this legislation that created the, the Main Space Corporation. Uh, talk to me. It's a very interesting, uh, it's sort of a public-private uh, combination, again, to coordinate the efforts of, of, the, of the space enterprise in Maine. Yeah, that was a, a very uh, long and, and, and uh, but fruitful effort to develop the Maine Space Corporation, which was, you know, newly minted. And I'm a board member of the Maine Space Corporation. And it's, you know, it's the Maine Space Corporation really has three facets to it. One supporting, uh, you know, sort of accelerators and incubators for new space companies like our own or for data uh, processing or for, you know, nanosatellite development, et cetera. Um, another one is from the educational side, again, encouraging our, our students and universities and colleges to grow um, our capability in the new space industry. And then the third is launch, uh, whether it's our vertical launch site or um, possibly our horizontal launch site from locations such as a former Loring Air Force Base up in Limestone. All right, um, I got to stop you there. What's yeah. Vertical launch, I get. Uh, that's a rocket going up in the air. What's, what's horizontal launch? Yeah, so uh, horizontal launch is basically you you use you you strap a rocket to underneath a, a large plane, and uh, you know your plane is basically serving acting as the very first stage of your your rocket, and it it really enables sort of agile, nimble um, a way of of getting a satellite quickly into space, and these planes tend to be larger planes. And so the wonderful thing about the Loring Air Force Base is you know used to host the you know as you know the B fifty twos very long runway but that was that was the runway we first launched from ourselves vertically uh i remember from, calling you that day when after yes that, from loring that was pretty cool stuff yeah yeah that was um it was quite an experience we did in the dead of winter which you know every manor has to do things at the most uncomfortable moment in time <laughs> the winter um it was minus 14 degrees fahrenheit we were at the northern end of the runway um they plowed it plowed it for us uh we, we launched um Everything everything worked as planned, although we had some hiccups getting it started. And then I was very surprised to receive as I was uh, hauling down in the tr my truck and uh, I was hauling down the rocket and the the launch trailer down the highway, probably somewhere somewhere mid state when you called and I I couldn't believe that it was your your name was popping up on the on the screen. So it was <laughs> thank you very much for calling. Well, I I see this as as a really important. Uh, potential for Maine, and it's it's consistent. I think once something you said earlier. I mean, Maine people have been engaged in in sort of the technology of travel. I mean, the the clipper ships were the fastest way to communicate in the world. The clipper ships, I've I've said, were the fiber optics of their age. Mm. And, uh, the the work that we've done in 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 transportation, and as you mentioned, the relevance of the of the enormous progress and skill that we have in in composites. Well. Talk to me about just finally the, the the future as you see it. Is this um, are we being too optimistic, or is this going to turn into a significant part of the main economy? I think it, it, it's up to us to decide how we want to embrace it, both at a, at a you know as a uh, citizens here in the in, in the United States, but here in Maine and you know at a state and federal level. But the this is going to happen no matter what. Uh, the industry itself is uh, is is 
expect to be something like a trillion dollar industry, the new space industry by itself by something like 2040. I think it's 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 only ours to lose upon and or ours to gain upon. And with this ability to directly access the number one orbit for these uh, these small satellites, um, you know, I think we have an incredible opportunity here. And the, you know, as you know, these are these are ones that are providing communication services. Or you know, there's a there's a uh, a company that's working on providing you cell phone service. So your cell phone tower is in the sky above, as opposed to here on Earth. Um, and there's you know other companies are working on pharmaceuticals. People are now getting their internet via Starlink, which is a yeah. System and all of these are generally smaller satellites, and we really didn't define. But low Earth orbit, there's low Earth orbit, and and then geosynchronous, and then high. But low Earth orbit is is attainable for for a smaller rocket like what you're what you're going to be building. Absolutely, yeah, and and there's a number of companies uh, that are building satellites that are even smaller than Starlink, looking to provide broadband services as well. Um, so we're I think the future is fantastic there. Now, I, I also think that the, the real future is not just on the economy that will be, there'll be small satellites going around the planet, but the economy that is beyond. And I'm, I'm really um, hopeful that Maine will play an important part, uh, important role of developing the technology, the manufacturing, the launch capability, the, the, the engineering for us to take advantage of the resource that's the moon. Uh, you know, really, the moon is in a fantastic jump off point to the rest of our uh, planetary system and beyond rich in resources. In this case, no atmosphere, which means it's actually much easier to launch. Um, and it's something something along the lines 20 times cheaper to launch from the moon once we have resources there to build in, and to, to do so than it would be from taking off from planet uh, Earth. Not to mention lower gravity. You don't have as much you don't need as much power to escape the gravity of the moon. Right. When you launch a rocket, only 5% of it is capable of getting to orbit. The rest of it is just, it's basically fuel and, and the rocket itself. You have a much better ratio when you're launching from the moon. It's far more cost effective, ultimately. Well, I have to tell you, I've never thought of the moon as a, as a launch pad, but it, it makes sense exactly what you're saying. Well, Sasha, it's great to talk to you and, and uh, fun to visit. Uh, and, and I'll keep... Uh, popping up at Brunswick Landing from time to time. Let me know when you're, you're about to do that uh, next engine test. Uh, congratulations on what you're doing and uh, let us know uh, how we can help. And, and uh, I'll, keep, uh, I'll keep our friend Bill Nelson informed as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you, Senator. I really appreciate your time. And thanks to all of you who've joined us on Inside Maine. Today, we're talking about Maine in space and it's happening right now. See you next time on Inside Maine. This is Angus King. Thanks for being with us.